Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Get up was like we were shot out of a cannon this morning. So much to do on this football Monday, and candidly, not nearly enough time to do it. Rex is here, RC is here, let's go. Here we go! Only one place to start. You know, I lost us that game, and I cannot do that. And I'm holding defense number 11. It is an absolute knife to the Jets' heart. I'm not going to comment on that. I already. Is that what you're upset about when you called for the. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I'm going to stay quiet. All right, that's how it ended uh, your NFL Sunday last night. The New York Jets falling in what was a stunningly good game to the Kansas City Chiefs. The officiating became a part of the story. So much did. That's what we spent a lot of our morning on on TV. And we'll begin there on this very busy Monday with Rex and RC. So let, let's handle, because the, the, the production there sort of leads us into the officiating. RC, I'll start with you on that, and then obviously we'll get into the quarterback. Um, but we saw a couple of plays yeah. at the end of the game, one where it certainly appeared that the Jets pass rusher, Jermaine Johnson, was being blatantly held. Mm. That comes on a play where Patrick Mahomes scrambles for a first down on third and 22. Mm. Then on a third and 20, Mahomes is intercepted, would have been his third interception of the night. Yeah. And they call a defensive holding on Sauce Gardner. What was your reaction to the well, two plays? Well, the, the first thing is there's technically holding on every offensive play. Right. Offensive linemen, like when you're a little kid, they teach you to block with your hands kind of in front of you. You're supposed to get your hands in tight and, and, and grab a hold of them. I do believe Jermaine Johnson didn't do enough to, to, to show how blatant the holding was. He never actually separated from the offensive lineman. And so that's why I believe it wasn't called. As far as the call on Sauce Gardner, it is one of those things that's a ticky, a ticky tack call, especially late in the game, as you compare it to the Johnson no call. But he did hold him. Like, like, like it yeah. did happen. Your hopes is in that moment you don't call it. But if you're an official and they go back and watch that tape and the Kansas City Chiefs appeal to the NFL, they're going to say that's a missed holding call on an interception. Maybe if it's not intercepted, you don't throw it and you allow the guys to play, but the official couldn't let that go. And so I know I'd be frustrated if I were uh, Robert Sala, who got a penalty on that drive, or if I'm a Jets fan, but I do see how both of those are called that way. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, and, and quite honestly, I've been on those sidelines where you think it's all coming coming down on you. It's all one way. And Robert just showed, I mean, he showed general emotion about it. Like that was, that was, that was legit. And it was heartfelt. Cause he's like, man, you've been letting this game play on and, and allowing us to be aggressive. And the other team's been aggressive down the field as well. At that moment, you can't, if you've done it, allowed it the whole game, you got to allow it then. And I think that was the biggest thing. Be consistent in your officiating. I think that's what what got Robert, in my opinion. Yeah, it was very frustrating as a fan, and it was a difficult game as a fan to see your team lose. That said, it might have been the best night the Jets have had in a very long time. I will save anyone who listens to this show is well aware. I have had a lot of things to say about Zach Wilson, and so you, you will hear me say a lot of them today again as we go on. But I want to give these guys a chance because I have you for a limited time. Rex, what do you say about the performance of the Jets' well, young quarterback this morning? I, I think first off, Greeny, we've all had it because I had problems with the way he handled press conferences last year. 
Well, you know what? He handled that pretty darn good, too, this year. Yeah. He took ownership. That's the first time I've seen him say, start with I when it doesn't go well. And he took responsibility for it. I think that is huge moving forward. I think about why is it huge? Because he's going to get that locker room behind him, rally behind him. When everybody's piling in on him, including Joe Namath, for some asinine reason, too, to call that kid out, mm-hmm. when you know better. Um, but either way, I see it kind of bringing this, this team even closer. And, guys, down the road, it's only going to get better for the Jets. The kid is going to be better each week. You watch him progress. It's going to start next week. He's going to get better and better and better and better. And at the end of the season, we're all going to be like, this dude can play. Yeah. And, and, and RC, I see it. I think that defense, too. And that's how this team has to win moving forward. But I was encouraged by it. That's why I said be patient, Greeny. Last week I even told you, be patient with this kid. You don't just bring in a junk quarterback to replace this kid. Yeah, and I think the, the positive last night, too, is the Kansas City Chiefs are good defensively this yeah. year. We've watched them against Jared Goff. You saw them against Trevor Lawrence as well, who was the first pick of the draft when Zach Wilson was the second overall pick. And what we saw last night was a quarterback that had confidence in his abilities. The, the, the throws on the back shoulder for both touchdowns, pushing the football down the seam in the placement, using his legs when he needed to. But the confidence and the level of accountability that he takes in the post-game presser is because he knew that he went out and did everything he possibly could. He knew his team understood that as well. And now, because he's accepted that sort of responsibility, he's put himself in that position on that team. I think the players will exalt him as well when he walks in that locker room and have his back and also Nathaniel Hackett's back as they head into the Denver Bronco game this weekend. Okay, Greeny, RC, and Rex with us here. Uh, Again, I will have a great deal to say about Zach Wilson as the show goes on, but there was so much good stuff yesterday. I want to get takes on all of it. Let's start with the Bears and Broncos, which was a fascinating game yesterday. It was every bit as entertaining to watch as I thought it would be awful, <laughs> right? Like last yeah, week, that's absolutely. the worst game ever. It turns out to have been an unbelievable game to watch. It felt to me at the end, RC, like a fire everybody game if you're yeah. in Chicago. Like when that game was a fire everybody. If you're not going to win when you're up 28-7 late in the third quarter against a winless team right. that at that point had given up. 14 touchdowns in the previous seven quarters for them to just completely evaporate the way they did and the the, the usage slash misusage of timeouts yeah. down the stretch by uh, Matt Eberflus, the, the coach. I just thought it was a complete mess. You know, and it kind of brings all of this together. Sean Payton talked about what he felt was a level of incompetence from the previous coaching staff in Denver. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus has shown us some of those same characteristics as a head coach. And we also have to remember, he's now taken over defensive play calling. And if ever the Pittsburgh Steelers, when I played, the Baltimore Ravens, the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, when Rex was coaching, was up 28-7, to I'd look at the <laughs> offense and say, don't worry. As long as you don't turn it over, they won't score a point. We won't lose. We will keep this lead. And so that's a lot on what they – haven't been able to do defensively. And that's the fireable offense. If this is what your specialty is, if this is how you came to prominence as a coach, that should be a part of your team that we can hang our hat on. And the Chicago Bears have nothing. Even in a game where Luke Getze finds ways to allow Justin Fields to play well, and it helps that you're playing against Vance Joseph and the Denver Broncos, you find a way to lose. And I think that's the point this team is getting to where wholesale changes need to be made. 
Yeah, and, and Grainy, they've lost 14 games in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's bad enough. When you're giving up 25, over 25 or more points in all of those 14 losses, like, and you're a defensive, I, I mean, guru, guru. please, how guru. about just a defensive coach and you're giving up that stuff? That's why at the end of the, when this season's over, they will get rid of Matt Evenflew. They have to. Uh, but I was encouraged by the play of Justin Fields. Yeah. Remember last year we all kept saying I kept I gave him the nickname the future yeah. because the guy is ridiculous, yeah. his talent and everything else. We finally saw it today, yep. you know, or yesterday. So hopefully that offense is going in a different, a, a better direction. Yeah. We'll see, you know, moving forward. But man, that defense is absolutely horrendous, though. Greeny and Rex Ryan and RC in studio with me here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. As I watched. The Cowboys and the Patriots in the uh, af- late afternoon window yesterday. Rex, I found myself thinking of you a lot as Mac Jones was making some of the unforgivable mistakes yeah. that he made and your nickname for him. Yeah, my nickname, Greeny Form, has always been Pea Shooter Jones. And the reason <laughs> I say it, he lacks arm talent, <laughs> NFL arm talent. Look, and here's what, what I saw in that game, though, Greeny, and, and you brought it up this morning on Get Up was – like his game management, like you got to be able to protect the football. You, we know you lack, you know, ability, but you at least got to be a smart player, as you call him, a heady player. Protect the team, protect the football. He did none of that. He was reckless with the football. He doesn't have the arm talent or, or the ability to be reckless with the football. Yeah. All right. So to me, this is a disaster <laughs> getting ready to happen. Like I, I don't see it. Like Belichick's an amazing coach. You win by playing – right now he has no choice. He has to win by, by running the football and playing great defense. And that's boring as hell. And you're going to be sitting back saying ground and pound. Yeah, he's going to have to because that quarterback right now – and it's not like he's going to have anybody on his roster going to replace him, R.C. It's not going to happen. He has to stay with Mac Jones, but he's got to get smarter play from him. We know you don't have the arm, arm talent, all right? But, man, he can't be, he can't be the problem. Yeah, and I think that's the that that's the big thing with this team. There was a certain way you needed to play football if you had Mac Jones. There was a certain way you needed to assemble talent around him, and Bill Belichick hasn't done that. And so that's on Bill as well. So now when you replace Matt Patricia with Bill O'Brien, it's about putting him in the best situations to succeed, making him a drop-back quarterback who has to see the field go through these progressions and drive footballs in the tight windows is not what's going to make Mac Jones the best player he could possibly be. It's also not going to be pushing the football outside of the numbers. And so it has to be run game. That has to lead to play action game. Half boots, boots, getting the footballs out, football out of his hands quickly. And they aren't doing that. And so what you've done is set your organization and set your quarterback up to fail. And what we watched yesterday was a colossal failure. It was an organizational failure failure this team not only couldn't compete against the Dallas Cowboys this team is in nowhere near close to a playoff team and if we're taking yesterday or even taking this season I would much rather have Zach Wilson on my team than Mac Jones and that's something you would have never said last year nor said their rookie years where it looked like Mac Jones could be the answer post Tom Brady I wouldn't have said it last week 
after they played against each other. But Mac Jones was bad last week, too. He like, was like, bad, yeah. but Mac Zach Wilson was worse. Yeah. And this week, it, would, it went the other way. Zach Wilson obviously rebounded in enormous ways. One last thing. I think, RC, a lot of people want to hear your thoughts on the Steelers. Yeah. We all identify you with them. That, that felt like rock bottom yesterday. it is rock bottom it is rock bottom do you remember last year they went to buffalo and kenny pickett's first start and they got blown out and it was yeah. and buffalo was more physical buffalo took the fight to them the entire game and i believe the next week they went back home and won well we've watched them early on in the season san francisco 49ers is like two teams oh. that don't even play in the same league right you feel like they rebound a little bit too Defensive touchdowns against the Cleveland Browns. Oh, maybe they got it going. The Raiders, they, get out, they go out and get a win. Yesterday is unacceptable. Yesterday mm. wasn't even a game. You're not only playing against a rookie head coach. You're playing against a rookie quarterback. And don't get me wrong. C.J. Stroud is a good player. But when you have Alex Highsmith, who's making whatever he's making, T.J. Watt, a defensive player of the year who's playing at a high caliber, Mika Fitzpatrick, a three-times first-team All-Pro in the last four years, veteran linebackers, you got to make him a rookie. You got to make him ball up in the shell and not be able to produce. Hell, it's three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they're throwing bombs on third down. They're not trying to protect him. Oh, let's protect our rookie quarterback. Make sure he doesn't make a mistake. No, it's like, let's go attack an inferior team. That's what the, the, the Houston Texans looked at the Pittsburgh Steelers as a freaking layup. Yeah. Think about that. It was a layup to them. They felt like going on to the field, we have the better team. So much so, we're going to pick this week to honor J.J. JJ Watt. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool that TJ going to be there, but we're going to bring the whole Watt family in to watch his brother lose. And they absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers. So much so, Mike Tomlin, who doesn't really give you a lot publicly, says, no, hell yeah, it's got to be changes made. Absolutely. Yeah, and to, to what's crazy, they had three backup linemen yeah. in for Houston, and they were able to dominate that football game. I yep. will say this. That's C.J. Stroud. He's, he's him. He's him. He's him as right, he's Greedy. He's Himothy. He, it's, and it's, <laughs> and it's so him. funny. It's so funny. Brevin Jordan last week says, the best thing that ever happened to us was getting the second pick of the draft. Mm. And he said that because he knows if they picked first, that like everybody else, they would have picked Bryce Young. And he said, we got our guy. CJ Stout certainly at this point looks like he is not just the best in that class, but maybe the most NFL ready of any of the young quarterbacks we've seen come in in the last several years. You guys are the best. Great morning. Thank you, Rex. I appreciate it so much. Coming up next, my takes, which will include what you would think if you were dropped from a spaceship yesterday. That's on the way. This is get up. on. No, no, it's not. (laughs) I knew I'd get that wrong. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greenie, the podcast. So much to get to here, and Hembo has jumped in, and Bubba and Cam are back in Bristol, and we'll have time to dive into so much of yesterday's action. But clearly, um, when you consider the amount of time and the amount of words that I have spent talking about the young quarterback of the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, there is only one place I can start today, and that is with him. And I will say this very simply, because these guys wrote up a question on my on the Google Doc, was Greenie wrong about Zach Wilson? And delightfully, right now, it feels like the answer is yes. So I begged him to prove me wrong. I said the kid can't play. Can't play. Cannot be put back out there on the field because they, he, he will. the team has no confidence in him. They don't believe in him. He doesn't believe in himself. He plays without any authority. He gives them no chance to win, and it felt like he deflated everyone around him by it. The defense was less than it should have been. The skill position players were obviously getting frustrated. Those are the things I saw, and I put those together, and I led them. I allowed them to lead me to the belief that he would never, ever, ever have a game like the one he had last night. So I'm wrong to at least this extent. I thought he would never have that game. Now, this doesn't mean that he's going to be a great player. But let us just say quite simply today and say it with great delight. People are like, Greeny, are you ready to eat your words? Are you kidding? Where's the fork and knife? I am delighted to say Zach Wilson was terrific last night. I've watched every snap from center that kid has taken since he came into the NFL. That was by leaps and bounds the best game he has played. He, in fact, looked like a different person. He looked like a person that you fully understand why he was the second pick in the draft. The arm talent is spectacular. And I'm not a football coach, so I can't sit here and tell you exactly why everything looked so much more crisp last night, why the ball was coming out so quickly, why everything seemed so authoritative, why he seemed his ball placement last night was spectacular. Dan said it this morning, accuracy, uh, um, what was the phrase he used? Accuracy is throwing the ball to your receiver. Ball placement is keeping it away from the defense. He did that brilliantly. I mean, he was spectacular last night, which is why I said, if you had just been dropped from a spaceship yesterday and had never seen a football game in your life, you would emerge thinking the one wearing green is better than the one wearing red. Obviously, nothing could be further from the truth. Going into last night's game, we thought the Chiefs had the best quarterback in the world and the Jets had the worst. Mahomes remains the best quarterback in the world, despite having had a bad night. Zach Wilson certainly wasn't the worst. And so I am delighted to say he played great. And as I said on Twitter last night, just please let it be the beginning of something. 
of what? I don't know. But that was a performance I genuinely did not believe the kid had in him. So I give him the credit first and foremost. That was a young man I genuinely believe was playing for his career. I think he was one more major dud away with everything that went into last night. Sunday Night Football on NBC, Taylor Swift, Joe Namath last week, everything else. That was as much weight for a person to have on his shoulders as just about you could possibly imagine for an NFL player. And he rose to the occasion. I will admit I didn't think he had it in him. So I give him all the credit in the world first and foremost. I give his teammates credit. I give his coaches credit. I give Aaron Rodgers credit. I do not think it's a coincidence that Rodgers came back and Zach looked like a different person. So what exactly it leads to, I don't know. But I will say that I I cannot remember a time that my team lost. I felt they got screwed completely by the officials, and I still went to sleep in a good mood. But as frustrated as I was last night, there are no moral victories in professional sports, except there are. And last night was one, because the Jets have something now they did not have last week, and that is hope. And that's more important than anything else. Hembo, your thoughts? No question about it. Down 17 to nothing, that was, for a lot of teams, a fold-up-the-tent game. And the Jets refused to fold up the tent. This team plays really, really hard for Robert Sala. The defense played inspired, starting with that safety. And like you said, Zach Wilson had the game of his life, the game of his career. Who knew that was in his bag? Who knew that he could actually outplay Patrick Mahomes in a football game? Like I was amazed at how well Zach Wilson played. I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for devising a game plan that actually leans into his strengths for the first time to find Garrett Wilson 14 14 targets for Garrett Wilson a really good sign a heavy play action game they might they just maybe have stumbled across some kind of blueprint that can maybe get you there to give yourself some hope collect in a couple weeks once you get to the bye you at least have a season a week ago you didn't know that you had a season that's exactly right now you have a season you have hope I mean that that's the word you have hope In, in, in life if you don't have hope you have nothing um, and so a funny thing happens last night. So when that game is 17 nothing, I will admit it, I came very close to turning it off. So my nephew, who's 25, comes over and watches the games with me a lot. So if he had not been in the house, I think I would have just turned it off and gone to sleep. It was a joke. And so I tweeted, can they, can they, what did I write? I wrote something like, can they flex this game right now to literally anything else? And then the game starts getting good. And my nephew turns to me and says, Uncle Michael, you're on freezing cold takes. Put you up there already. And I loved it. That's hilarious. I mean, what are we talking about? I retweet. It's funny as hell. I mean, I said that, and now half an hour later, I'm out of my chair yelling and screaming. That's sports. That's being a fan. I'm not upset that I had it wrong. I I thought I saw what I thought I was seeing, and it turned out to be something else. To quote the great Jack Buck, I can't believe what I just saw. So I am delighted. I could not be more ecstatic to have been wrong. And let us hope that it is the beginning of something. One other thing I want to say about that, and then I will do the takes uh, on a whole bunch of other games. Zach Wilson, first of all, here's a great stat. He played so well. He is the only opposing quarterback to have more completions, yards, touchdown passes, and fewer interceptions than Patrick Mahomes did in any game that Patrick Mahomes has started, college or pro. That's an unbelievable stat. He's the first quarterback ever to that thoroughly outplay Patrick Mahomes, which goes to show you what I'm going to say. In Las Vegas, 
Those people are sorcerers. Last night before the game, I tweeted seven and a half points. I turned to my aforementioned nephew, Eric. So what is the line on this game? Ten minutes before kickoff. He says seven and a half. I said seven and a half. They are begging you to take Kansas City. That seems so light. They're begging you. And I actually wrote on Twitter, which means you know the Jets are going to make this much closer than any analysis would suggest they should. And then, of course, not only does that happen, does Zach Wilson play the game of his life, Patrick Mahomes play maybe the worst game of his life, but at the very end, Patrick Mahomes slides instead of scoring a touchdown that would have changed the outcome of the spread. It was the right play, it was the right thing to do, but somehow Vegas saw that. They said, if they have a chance up three at the very end, they're going to take a knee rather than score and cover. How do they do do it, Hembo. I ask you. This is like a magic trick. This is like David Blaine. How the hell did they know that was coming? Unbelievable. Th- those those buildings in that city are massive for a reason. Um, that was the, it was the right football play though. But a lot of money oh, changed 100%. hands. A lot of money changed hands with that decision. I'm not saying no. It ended the game, but the fact that they had that that way Nailed and that it, it went the way it did mm-hmm. is just incredible. All right, Greeny, if you miss any of the show, any day, don't forget that all two hours of our show are available. Both two hours are available as the podcast. It's available daily wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch our show uh, on the ESPN app. Just click on watch, look for hashtag Greeny, and we hope that you will enjoy. Greeny's Takes. All right, week four was unbelievable in so many ways. I I had to narrow them down today. Five takes this morning coming off at NFL Sunday. Number five. Josh Allen right now is my number one choice at MVP. Right this minute, I think he's the MVP of the league. He played a terrible game the first night or the first game of the season, that Monday nighter against the Jets. It's just a weird night in so many ways. 9-11, crazy crowd. Rodgers gets hurt. One way or another, Allen, four turnovers, costs his team the game. Since then, he's been the best player in the NFL. He's in his bag right now. Over the last three games, this is remarkable to me. He's thrown eight touchdowns, and we track every single throw in the NFL. He has six off-target throws in the last three games. He's more likely to hit a home run than he has to swing and miss. He's the best quarterback in the league right now. He and Tua share the best odds to win the MVP. Yeah, right now, if I had to make a vote, and, and obviously yesterday is a big part of that factor, Alan, we talked about, does he need to put the Superman cape on? He most certainly did. Number four. Here's a question I find interesting, and we're going to get into Ron Rivera's reasoning on not going for the two at the end of that game yesterday because it was shocking to me. But for the purposes of a shorter conversation, I got two Eagles fans and a Cowboy fan sitting here. Do you consider the NFC East to be a two-team race or a three-team race? Because the Commanders played them dead even yesterday and that young quarterback looked really good. Do you consider that to be a three-team race? No, it's a two-team race, but Washington is absolutely live when it comes to the wild card picture. Sim Howell's way better than any of us thought, and that's in large part because Eric Bieniemy is calling the shots there. Eric Bieniemy is going to get himself a head coaching job because of this. Maybe that head coaching job because of this. I've been impressed with that team. They played the Eagles, like you said, score for score until the very end. Honestly, they should have won that game because of his decision not to go for two at the very end. What do you think, Cam? 
Uh, I think it's still a two-team race. Remember how bad he looked a week ago against the Bills? We yeah. don't know which Sam Howell we're getting week to week yet. The Commanders got a lot of calls that went their way. It was a badly officiated game on both sides, but every time the Eagles stopped them in the red zone, they got a first down out of a penalty and converted, so good for them. Uh, and then they probably should have won at the end, if not for Ron Rivera's questionable decision-making. But I still don't know if Sam Howell is the truth when we saw him throw four picks a week ago. It may not be the truth, but he's not... He's not terrible, which is what yeah, I he thought was he solid. was. If he our was standard solid. is not terrible, perhaps I'm selling a short. He's played three good games, though. He's played three out of four good better games. Better than Mac Jones. He's better than Kenny Pickett. He's better, better, better than Desmond Ritter. He's better, better than a lot of these young quarterbacks. Bubba in the, in the um, Micah Parsons jersey today. Is it a two- or a three-team race in your division? Yeah, I'd say it's three-team race um, for the foreseeable future because right now Washington has the Bears, Falcons, and Giants up next. So if they win those three games, mm-hmm. it, they're still right in it. Now, if they lose... I would change my mind. If they win those three, it's definitely a three-team race. Well done. Greeny with my five takes coming off of week four. Number three. Uh, Don't pay attention to preseason ever again. I put this on Twitter yesterday. If at any point next preseason, during the NFL preseason in August, you hear me getting excited about anything that we are seeing, I want you just to say the words, Kenny, and then pick it. I feel terrible that the kid got hurt, and I hope he's not seriously hurt. And I'm not in any way suggesting that... He can't still be a good player. He's still very young in the league. But their offense is so bad. So bad. How does Matt Canada still have that job? I've never seen anything more evident than the fact that he has done a terrible job running that offense. They're unwatchable. And I think Houston, I think they're a little better team than than we, under any circumstances, thought. But they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. They humiliated the Steelers yesterday. I am flabbergasted. Yeah, eight of Kenny Pickett's 15 completions were at or behind the line of scrimmage. Greeny, in the first half, they gained 53 yards on 24 plays. Like If you, if you lined up the 64 units in the NFL and asked me which one I want to watch the least, they're 64. They're, the, they're 64. They may be. I'm they're thinking the worst. about it. I mean, that, Is the they, Bears' defense worse? No. No, the Broncos defense. Is the Broncos worse. defense. If, worse? If, if the Steelers offense played the Broncos defense, the world would cease to <laughs> spin on its axis. Everyone should get their NFL Sunday ticket refund back. That's that right. That, that would be the end of life as we know. Number two, uh, Mac Jones stinks. Here's the thing: the Patriots are in real trouble, and Bill, I think, may have Belichicked himself right out of this. No one has more respect for Bill Belichick than I do. He has put together. A terrible offense. They're terrible. And Mac Jones is regressing rapidly. Mac Jones has hangs his hat on being a heady player. He reminds me, or at least when he is good, he reminds me of Chad Pennington. When Chad first came into the league, Chad had just enough arm to go with his brilliant road scholar mind and play smart, not make mistakes, and he had just enough arm talent to still be an effective player, which he was. He started having shoulder injuries, and that was it. He didn't have enough arm strength to lose any of it, and that was basically the end of his career. But that's where Mac Jones is. He's not beating you with his athleticism ever or his arm. So he needs to beat you by being heady. If he's going to make the kind of rookie quarterback mistakes that he made yesterday, two obscenely bad turnovers on his own side of the field, and another one that should have been intercepted, When the game was still a game, forget about the pick six he throws in the third quarter. That game was long since over. But when the game was still a game, 
he made it not a game anymore by making unimaginably bad quarterback mistakes. I feel like all of New England owes Matt Patricia and Joe Judge an apology. Like, their, their offensive coordinating last year was dreadful. But that excused a year of dreadful play by Mac Jones. We're finding out this year that maybe, just maybe, the problem is Mac Jones regardless of who's calling play for him. Maybe. I'm not in any way ready to excuse those guys. <laughs> but, 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 but yes, maybe Mac Jones is the problem. As Taylor Swift would say, it's me, I, I'm the problem, it's me. Number one. And then finally, that was a fire everybody game for the Bears yesterday. Fire everybody. What the actual heck were they doing in that fourth quarter? And I know a lot of it is going to come down on the quarterback. And yes, I thought that was a questionable um, the call on the uh, grounding, I thought, was very questionable. He's trying to get rid of that ball when it's a fumble. It clearly is a fumble. It was not a forward pass, but he was trying to throw it. That was not a game you blame on the quarterback, who had his first ever 300-yard passing day and generally played more than well enough to win. If you are a defensive-minded coach, you cannot, A, have given up at least 25 points in 14 consecutive games, B, blow a 28-7 to lead against a bad team, albeit one of those touchdowns, of course, being engineered by the Broncos' defense, but you can't do it. You can't do it. And then the way they handled their timeouts, for anyone who didn't see the game, they wind up in a tie game late. They got a fourth and one at a, something like the 20-yard line. And they go up to the line of scrimmage like they're going to try and draw them off. Like they're the quick count, you know, try and get them to jump. The Broncos don't jump. They call a timeout. They go over to the sideline. They come back. They go for it again. And this time, they, and they don't get it. The entire building, who was doing the game? Because he immediately said, whoever was doing that game said, um, everyone in the whole building knows he's giving the ball to Justin Herbert. And it was, it was terrible. Then Denver goes down the field. They keep getting first downs. They bleed the clock, bleed the clock. Kick a field goal, and that's all she wrote. Ibrahim making the by eschewing the field goal himself. Now a field goal beats you. I didn't even mind the decision to go for it, but if you're going to do it, go for it because now you've wasted a timeout. They, they they did everything wrong yesterday. That was a fire everybody game for the Bears. Yeah, I mean, I guess if there's a silver lining of any kind, it's that Justin Fields played as well as he has this year, even though he didn't play great in the fourth quarter. And honestly. You lost, which is good. Like, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm already there. I'm already thinking about Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison's kid. I'm already there. So, I mean, I hate to be there this early in the season. I would never root against my team while it's happening. But during the week, from a big picture standpoint, I'm telling you, what happened yesterday uh, to the Bears is the best thing that could have happened to the Bears. Perhaps, which brings us to what they may consider doing next. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. I'll tell you what they might do next that could shake up absolutely everyone. Plus, one coach said something I simply cannot believe, and you will hear it after this. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. 
Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Rolling along we are on a crazy Monday. The best month of the sports calendar began yesterday, by the way. For my money, there is no question. As a sports fan, October is the month I live for. There are a lot of good ones. I love March Madness. I love the month of April. But to me, I would put October at the very top. Baseball playoffs begin tomorrow. College football in full swing. The NFL is ridiculously good every single weekend. Basketball starts in two weeks. Hockey starts soon. We, this is, to me, the best month Number one, on the I, sports calendar. I totally agree. If I could only watch sports for one month and I had to choose one month, it would be October. And I think uh, baseball playoffs, which start tomorrow, this new format, this will be the second year of it, is phenomenal. Yeah. Just to be able to watch best of threes during the middle of the week now. Uh, last year it was over the weekends. But Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, if necessary, game threes. I think baseball has this thing right. This is going to be a phenomenal postseason for that sport. We will set aside a little time for a green light with Hembo a little later this morning. And certainly as the week goes on, we'll dive into a little more baseball. But for today, clearly it is a football day. And so we will dive into some of this. And so I told you there was one thing I could see yesterday's Bears loss begetting. I'm going to put two and two things together and see what I come up with. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long, long after, after its time. time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. So I'm watching the Bears play, and they're terrible. They're badly coached. They have terrible players on defense. They're The, the player they traded a second-round pick for was not just a healthy scratch yesterday, but told to stay home and not to rejoin the team this week as they prepare for a short week game Thursday night against Washington. The ship is sinking. In fact, it has already sunk. If you look outside of Soldier Field into Lake Michigan, you can just watch the ship going down. They have their own first pick, and they have Carolina's first pick. If the season ended today, they would have the first two picks in the draft. As you said earlier, they could take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. and all of a sudden go from being the worst to being one of the best offenses that you will see in the entire league. 
So losing at this point is in their best interest. And getting something for nothing is also in their best interest. Justin Fields is not going to be their quarterback next year. There's no way. They're going to take a quarterback. That's clearly direction this thing is going. It may not be fair. It may not be right. But it's going to happen. Did anyone watch Atlanta play yesterday morning? Anyone watch the London game? Not the Disney version, but the actual version? The Falcons would be better off if their quarterback was one of those cartoon characters. I'm sorry to say it. That's the worst quarterback situation in the league. Desmond Ritter is absolutely not capable of being that team's quarterback. And the sad part is they could be pretty good. They've got a ton of good players on that offense. And he is not in any way capable of running it. You put Justin Fields on that team right now with Arthur Smith, dial it up some offense, give them a couple of weeks to figure out what they want to do. You get Drake London involved. You get Kyle Pitts involved. You got Bijan now. I think the Falcons should make a trade for Justin Fields right this minute. What do you think? I like this idea, actually. This, this to me, is not you going out too far on a limb because the Bears are just awful. The Bears' um, preseason over-under was seven and a half wins. They might not get to the half. They're so bad. And Justin Fields is not going to be their guy in the future. I agree with that, too. That's become clear and obvious. What I like most about the pairing of Justin Fields and the Falcons with Arthur Smith is that the zone read that you could conjure with him and B. John Robinson would be unbelievable. Unstoppable. They would be the best run. They would have the best run game in the NFL mm-hmm. by a mile. Yep. With what Arthur Smith could draw up and do with Robinson, who I think might be the best young, exciting weapon in the whole league, and Justin Fields, who's just dying to be unlocked, would be incredible. And with a very winnable division, and then they could also trade Taylor Heineke and recoup some of that value by making Desmond Ritter your backup. I think it makes a lot of sense for Atlanta, too. So I, I, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling. I like, this, I like this here, and I don't think it's that far-fetched. And look, the reality of it is Justin Fields is sort of a bargain. So you pick up his fifth-year option. So that's 20-something million dollars, and right now he's making what? What is his salary this year? I should have had this ready. My point is, for less than $30 million total, you're going to have a young quarterback for two and a half years. You have him next year. You pick up the option on year five. By, by quarterback standards in the NFL, that's nothing. It's a, it's a $5 million cap hit this year and a $6 million cap next year. That's, a really, that's, that's good backup money. Honestly. And then you pick up uh-huh. the, the fifth-year option, which I think is 20-something million dollars. That's right. So for this year plus next year plus that year, call it $30 million for two and a half seasons. I think that's a great deal for the Falcons. If it doesn't work out, you figure that out pretty quickly and you move on to something else. But they're not doing anything with what they have now in a division that feels winnable. Carolina's terrible. Uh, New Orleans, not that good. Their, their defense is – in no way are they nearly as good as some people like me thought they were going to be. And who's the other team? Oh, Tampa, also not good. So – If I'm Atlanta, I'm thinking about winning that division this year. I'm calling up the Bears, and I'm saying, what is it going to take for me to get Justin Fields? I'll tell you what, too. Arthur Smith has run this play before. He's rehabilitated a first-round quarterback that has failed previously. Ryan Tannehill was traded to Tennessee for almost nothing when Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator. And Ryan Tannehill turned in like two to three seasons of top 10 quarterback play. Now, we could argue that a lot of that was because of Derrick Henry, but we could argue that a lot of this could be B. John Robinson. We've seen him do this before. I think Justin Fields in a Falcons uniform could be deadly. I really do. Yeah. And, and if nothing else, fun to watch. And it could be really be a win, 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 win. I can't find a loser in all of this. If you're the Bears, to your point, if you're a Bear fan at this point, now this, you're not 
you're not thinking anything about this season. If you were going to do anything this season, you were going to win yesterday. You're up 28-7 against a team that looks like it might have the worst defense in the history of the sport (laughs) at home and you lose. That's it. The season was already over, but now it is most certainly over. You have Detroit in your division. They're terrific. Green Bay's way better than you. Even Minnesota, who's ridiculously average, is better than you. You're going to be the worst team in the division no matter what you do. So if you can get something for Justin Fields, a player who is genuinely going to be worth nothing to you when this season ends, you do it. And yeah. just trade him straight up for Ritter. And, and, and play Ritter. I mean, you need to have a quarterback. Play him no matter. Uh, trade Claypool. Trade DJ Moore. Like, if you well, decide. You can't trade Claypool for anything. What are you trading Claypool they for? They just gave up the 32nd pick in the draft for that guy. I know. Terrible. What an awful return on your investment. Yeah. But if you're going to go in, what I'm saying is you might as well go all in. Because the Bears don't have anything. You mentioned the streak of giving up 25 straight points. It's the longest streak of its kind in the history of the NFL. Yeah. They with haven't a, with won a defensive coach. They, they haven't won in a year. So you have the worst defense in the league. You have one of the five worst offenses in the league. We can all see this. They can all see this. This is a GM's dream. If I'm Ryan Poles, this is what I actually wanted. I don't want to be mired in mediocrity. Let me get the first and second pick in the country. Let me get a couple college studs and run away and hide then. So I think that... It is actually a deal that makes sense. Um, that was a get-right game for Jacksonville. The Falcons' offense is just so bad <clears throat> with that quarterback there right now. I just They don't have a chance, and otherwise that is a pretty good team around them. It was an incredible day in the NFL. We have so much more to dive into in our second hour. I've got a million stats here. I've got some sound bites. You need to hear there was a coach in the NFL yesterday who said something I absolutely cannot believe. We will ask the question of the day, which will revolve around a team that may have changed your mind. And I will tell you why, despite my team losing, I went to sleep and woke up this morning with a smile on my face. All that and a whole lot more as we steam towards our number two on a jam-packed Monday on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.